two of you together, that's fine. But what if one of you is the monster? Monster? They're British, you know. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just watched Horror Express. For two million years in these subterranean caves, a creature of superhuman evil was entombed in a wall of ice, waiting to be free, waiting to live again. Travel with on a journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. Are you telling me that an ape that lived two million years ago got onto that crate, killed the baggage man and put him in there? Yes, I am. It's alive. It must be. Travel with us, if you dare, on the Horror Express. It's true. This was my choice. Horror Express from 1972. And uh, a very appropriate choice because it got cold on us. And uh, everyone's traveling this time of year for the holiday of Thanksgiving. And in this film, they're traveling on a train. Wow. (laughs) I know how to pick them. (laughs) Uh, This, of course, is starring Christopher Lee as Professor Alexander Saxton. Peter Cushing as Dr. Wells. Julio Pena as the expector. And Sylvia Totista as the Countess. And Mr. Telly Savalas as Captain Kazan. Who loves you, baby? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was good in it. Yeah, he was. Briefly, is this everyone's first time watch for this film? Yep. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it in the last episode. I was inspired by Creepshow. They had an episode last season, season two, called Night of the Living Late Show. And it was written by Dana Gould and directed by Greg Nicotero. And it incorporated elements of uh, this film in kind of a VR environment where a character from this TV show goes into this movie and interacts with the characters. And so it got me really uh, interested in this movie, um, especially considering it was a Peter Cushing, uh, Christopher Lee pairing. And they're not opposing each other. They're actually kind well, they kind of are a little bit. They're a little antagonist antagonistic but they're not directly opposed to each other so yeah it's like a friendly rivalry um i'm gonna briefly give us a little uh synopsis get us going while traveling on the trans-siberian express an anthropologist and his rival must contain the threat posed by the former's cargo a prehistoric ape which is the host for a life form that absorb that is absorbing the minds of the passengers and crew. There you go. Yeah, mild spoilers because <laughs> you don't you don't really. Th- this is rarely available on Shutter and YouTube. By the way, I think it might be borderline public domain because I found it in a lot of places. Um, so readily available if you want to check it out before hearing us discuss the film. Um, and it's uh, also based on who goes there, the uh, John W. Campbell short story in which the thing from another world is based on Mm. so it's another adaptation of source material we're kind of familiar with yes so there you have it (laughs) i got it all out 
I'm Jeff. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> and we just summarized. <laughs> Jeff, what'd you what'd you make of this moon? Um, you know what's funny is you mentioned the thing, and it. Uh, I thought about that when I was watching it. I was like, this is kind of similar to that, where it's like this entity is entering into different people's bodies, I guess. But you don't really realize that at the beginning, though. Like, or at least I didn't. When uh, when the whatever the caveman ape thing or whatever was unlocking the door and he like bent the nail to pick the lock i was like wow this is the smartest caveman ever like how did he know <laughs> to do this but it, you know it explains later that it's because it's uh yeah well and it, and it absorbs the skills and memories of people it kind of makes eye contact with so it yeah. absorbed the uh the lock pick the pickpocket their, their knowledge yeah Oh yeah, good point. I didn't realize that that the first victim was a pickpocket. Yeah. So this guy was... trying to break into the container, yeah. not knowing what was in it. So yeah, and yeah. it turns their eyes oh. white. Yeah, it's pretty pretty intense. Hmm. It's a, especially for the era for early seventies. It's pretty ghoulish and graphic. Yeah, and it makes their brains as smooth as a baby's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, apparently, brains are smooth until you get memories, and they get grooves on them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Absolutely not true, but <laughs> in the context of the movie, it, I guess it had to be said to sort of set up that, you know, minds are being erased. There's a, there's a great, um, what do you call it, um, autopsy scene where Christopher Lee and uh, Cushing are examining a brain, and it's, uh, yeah, it looks completely smooth. There's no wrinkles or grooves in it like a normal brain in pop culture or real life looks like. Recently, we've become pretty big well, I've become pretty big Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee fan, and a Christopher Lee fan. You were already kind of exposed to Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, so you kind of exposed him to me, and then we both became exposed to Peter Cushing from, is it Tales of the, from the Crypt? Yeah, Tales from the Crypt, yeah. which we previously did on this uh, program. So we've kind of, have been slowly amassing all of their movies and watching them, and and I just really, I just really like them, so... Yeah. See, I like this movie. I like that they had scenes together <laughs> um, and that they worked together and that they were friendly in the movie. Antagonistic, but at some point they, they're working together. Um, and I like that. And I was surprised at where the movie went because I think in the creep show, it shows the monster making contact with the first guy and then the bleeding coming from his eyes and his mouth. But I don't think if I... I might be misremembering, but I don't think in Creepshow it established that he was able to jump bodies. Yeah, creep, it didn't go that deep into it. Creepshow, the main character is only really concerned with interacting with the Countess That's, and kind yeah. of hitting on her. He's not really yeah. super worried about <laughs> the uh, supernatural elements and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, it doesn't really touch on it very much, which um, I really appreciated how every 15 minutes or so, I feel like this movie shook it up a little bit. You think it's like about one thing and then it kind of elevates it where it's a totally different direction because it's almost like a murder on the Orient Express type yeah. of situation in the beginning where it's like a whodunit. And then uh, you find out that <laughs> the, the ape man is supernatural and uh, has all these extra abilities and it's, uh, you think they kill it and then it jumps to another uh, host and that host uh, can walk around in disguise and that kind of makes it more interesting and 
then they had the nice turn with Telly Savalas where he just because I I noticed he was credited and I kept thinking like when is Telly Savalas showing up in this thing and it's not until almost like the mm-hmm. last act that he just shows up as a Cossack and, and boards the, the train. And that makes it like a totally different movie for a good 10 minutes or so. As Craig pointed out, he he turned up as a Cossack from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. He has like, he still has like kind of a New York-esque accent, it seems like, or that's how he's playing it anyway, where he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm a Russian. You know, it's just kind of odd, but I mean... You know, if it's, it's he can't, he can't literally speak Russian in the movie, it's so fine. I guess it kind of is fine. Maybe he spent a lot of time in Brooklyn, and so his accents kind of became male. male he, he was a Russian uh, double agent yeah. in, in New York for a while, <laughs> even though uh, this is like taking place, I guess, in the 1880s? Around 1906. In 1906? Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was supposed to be that modern. <laughs> I guess that makes sense with the autopsy stuff and everything. It's kind of... Mm-hmm. slightly newer technology i did like uh the monster initially too that it was kind of an ape man type of situation uh for some reason i went into it thinking that it was almost like a vampire i don't know where i i, I don't know if it was from creep show the the red glowing eyes or whatever that i thought it was some kind of ancient vampire but it ends up being something uh completely different and like the source material eventually it's revealed that it is an alien in origin um, which again, I think heightens it in a nice way. And we did, I guess we kind of discover that because they, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee's characters realize that something's going on with the eyes. So at some point the creature gets killed. Mm-hmm. They take out his eyes and they kind of remove fluid from the eyes and put it under a microscope. And it, it the fluid holds images that this, monster has seen (laughs) and images include like dinosaurs and the last person that he takes over and planet earth yeah yeah. so which complete completely holds up scientifically (laughs) you can do that you can uh look at the fluid from someone's eyeball and look at it look at it under a microscope you cannot pick a movie like this apart none of it holds up well and it's an alien (laughs) uh it's alien origin so maybe the fluids of this alien exactly can you know transmute these things i don't know it's but it was great how like uh (laughs) christopher lee and peter cushing they play it so straight that you just believe it like there's never a moment where they go quite curious isn't it (laughs) like they're just like yes we can see it oh that cannot be a a normal illustration that's a literal image of the earth (laughs) from outer space like they say that because there are a couple of moments where uh they're like "Ooh, a brontosaurus and a triceratops or something like that and I'm like, yeah, drawings of them. Oh. It's not even like, it doesn't even look like real, you know, animals or whatever. But, uh, I mean, I guess it was supposed to be the actual, you know, like an encounter with, yeah. with an animal back in the day. Yeah, when the movie first started, I thought it was just going to be like this monster kind of running amok on the train. Uh, which I guess is kind of what they wanted you to think in the beginning. But as the whatever this alien entity is like keeps jumping from host to host it like definitely becomes more interesting where uh uh the people on the like we as the audience know where the the alien is but the people on the train aren't aware of like who has this alien inside of them right it's almost it's almost like columbo in that aspect it's (laughs) it's like you're kind of just waiting for these characters to figure out what you already know and that's kind of the fun of it because uh the 
the inspector, you know, the police detective that's on the train is the one taken over and he has like a cool ape hand mm-hmm. <laughs> tell or whatever. But uh, it's kind of cool seeing him trying to cover his tracks and get in the way of the investigation and kill people that are getting too close to the truth. And uh, so having that knowledge actually kind of helps us as an audience and it heightens the tension sometimes because you're like, oh, God, so-and-so is alone yeah. with the inspector right now. Like, what's going to happen? You know, are they going to figure it out or whatever? I, I like the monkey hand as, as like the, the the little like it doesn't really make that much sense like why he would only have a monkey hand uh, to kind of be like yeah. his the indicator that he's taken over by the ape because I thought he was going to slowly start transforming to that person more and more which but... is what I think would happen right as he takes he, this entity has been around for forever as far as we know yeah. and he inhabits various things so you would think that well, he would look like what he last inhabited. <laughs> but maybe it's a little bit like, uh, you know, the thing, like John Carpenter's thing, where this alien can just kind of mimic whatever it's kind of absorbed. It can try mm-hmm. to mimic it, which, again, doesn't make that much sense that it would keep a monkey hand involuntarily. Have, um, it did have, like, claws. Mm-hmm. So, and it did use that to scratch. So, so maybe mm-hmm. it used that just to, as a weapon. Yeah. Kind of Because otherwise it. it would just be a man. True. That didn't have True. any maybe, strength yeah, or Maybe anything. it was like a purposeful adaptation. Uh, good call, Kia. Thank you. You plug that plot hole <laughs> nice and snug. Any, even a, a shallow search of Cushing and Lee will show that they were really good friends in real mm. life. And so I think that comes through in their movies and this might be sacrilege to say but their their interpretation of the universal monster movies to me i like them better than the original universal monster movies um i just like them together i just i like the fact that they are they're friends you know because to kind of hear that karloff and lagosi they worked together, but they weren't like necessarily friends. Yeah, they were. I don't know. It kind of takes right. it away from me a little bit. But yeah, if they're watching all the ho- ham- or a lot more Hammer stuff and being a huge um, Universal Monsters fan, I definitely get why there's like camps of mm-hmm. Hammer fans and Universal Monster kind of DC Marvel esque comics <laughs> rivalry type of thing. Uh, but I like them both. I, I think there's room for. I do too. Them both. But man, Christopher Lee's Dracula is mm. hot. <laughs> yeah, this Jeff, we were watching uh, one of the later Dracula films with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing mm-hmm. called Dracula 1972 AD. And there was a moment where, uh, you know, Christopher Lee is kind of seducing a woman. You know, he's like alluring her, you know, before he sucks her blood. And uh, Kia was like, I get it. I get it. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> So, yeah. vouched by a 21st century woman, <laughs> Christopher Lee. Sexy Christopher Lee. Yeah. Oh. Virile and potent. <laughs> there are a couple of funny lines that I liked in the movie. Um, Cushing's character has like a, a female assistant mm-hmm. who's kind of like a, an older woman. Um, kind of looks just like a, I don't know. I don't know. She's just kind of dowdy looking. Um, has her hair up in a bun, kind of short, older woman, but she's his assistant, and 
there's a there's a, a younger lady that is a spy. There's mm-hmm. a that's an underlying story that's going on. There's a spy on the ship and ship. There's a spy on this train. <laughs> <laughs> and she's younger and she kind of implies that she might sleep with Cushing mm. kind of because she needs a place to stay. Right. So she's, she's a stowaway. You know, yeah. so she's like, I'll make it worth your while or something like that. And so there's a scene where they're eating together and the older lady, for some reason, even though she's Cushing's assistant, is eating by herself at a different table. <laughs> but Cushing goes over to her and he, and, and he says something like, I need your help with something. And the lady looks at the young lady and she was like, at your age, I can understand why. And I just <laughs> thought that was great. And then there's another scene where Cushing and Lee are together with another character it might be the inspector or someone else. And that other character says something like, well, how do you know that you're not the monsters? And Cushing is like, we're British. And that was yeah. it. Yeah, it was like aghast <laughs> that they would even imply that either one of them could be the monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's just, I really like it. And um, I like the turn at the end, right? So oh, yeah. the monster, the alien jumps from the inspector to this Rasputin-like character. It's like a monk that's accompanying the Countess. Yeah, and I believe he starts off Christian, but I guess when he sees how things are going, he's like, I changed my allegiance. So come into me, Satan. He thinks it's Satan. He doesn't realize it's an alien. Yeah, he he rejects the idea that it's an ancient alien. Yeah, he he just thinks it's straight up Satan. Yeah, weird that he just kind of goes, like, flips (laughs) one to the other, like, so quickly. Like, I've devoted my life to God. Mm. Never mind, it's Satan. <laughs> well, yeah, he maybe he's one of those people that it's kind of like whatever is cool at the time. Yeah, or, he's a poser. Wishy washy. He's a poser, yeah. or whatever. You know, when confronted with a a power that's super strong, you go, "Oh, well, I'm gonna jump to this one because I don't want him to hurt me." And right, right. Whatever. I don't he's know. he's not so big into the afterlife after all. He's like, <laughs> I want to live as long as I can. <laughs> And, and he kind of um, has more of a, a Satanist look anyway. Yeah. yeah. He's got that yeah. like Severus Snape kind of look. <laughs> he, he, I, I feel like they. he has a lot of Christian rhetoric, but he, he has the personification of like a mystic or some kind yeah. of weird monk, you know, yeah. crazy monk type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the alien jumps into him, ends up just massacring all the, the Russian Cossacks, Cossacks yeah. including Tali Savalas. <laughs> When he's conf- he conf- he's confronted by Christopher Lee and he's trying to convince Lee, let me live. I have so much knowledge. I can give you the cure for all these things. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I thought, oh crap, Christopher Lee, because it looked like he was holding a gun on him and it looked like he was kind of lowering it. And mm-hmm. I was like, don't do it. You've been a good character this whole time. And he doesn't do it. And the alien, at that, he awakens all the victims that are still in this train Mm -hmm. that you know he awakens them and they kind of become blind because their eyes are whited out they become they become like blind zombies Mm -hmm. so we didn't even realize that that could happen and that's like another turn in this movie it was creepy and there's a shot where it shows the rasputin like character standing over all the dead bodies and it just kind of holds it there and it was really cool like something from a marilyn manson music video (laughs) or something (laughs) i do think I love this movie. I thought it was really fun. But uh, mm-hmm. I do think, uh, you know, in an era of remakes and reboots and stuff like that, that this would be a cool remake. That I would like to see someone take this on as a modern film 
and play around with some of these ideas. And again, how it kind of heightens every 10 or 15 minutes. I think a, a cool director writing team could really even elevate this even more a la kind of how John Carpenter did with, you know, a thing from another world. He yeah. makes it into the thing in the eighties. I think this, the, the, there could be a similar update to this material where it could even be a modern, more modern setting or a different, uh, you know, place to place, uh, travel log, um, yeah. to make it more interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, like in an age of remakes, I think this is one I'm surprised that no one's dipped their hand in to pull this one out. Um, yeah. You know what the month the alien should have done? The alien should have inhabited the countess or a very attractive woman. Because mm. it could have probably gotten away with a lot more stuff because no one would suspect it. That's a good angle. She It never did in, yeah. inhabit a woman in the movie no. that I remember. Yeah, It did not. Mm. Yeah, and the, the remake could have uh, Keanu Reeves as the... <laughs> The mystic oh, uh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah let's let's recast it real quick yeah let's okay. do it <clears throat> okay hmm. who is benedict michael... cumberbatch as christopher lee okay i i, I think My- michael fassbender as peter cushing okay mm. yeah it's a good call or <laughs> i want to cast adrian brody somewhere in this because i already think adrian brody and peter cushing kind of favor in a in a weird way, that's just me. Maybe, I, I mean, I'll take it. I I, I was thinking maybe English Adrian, actors to replace the English actors, but maybe Adrian because Keanu Reeves as the mystic, I like the look, but knowing how he talks, oh, I yeah. feel like he would fail. <laughs> so I would cast Adrian Brody as the mystic. I like it. Yeah, I like there it. Go. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Telly Savalas, who, who's like a hard hitting. <laughs> guy that could be like a cool Russian Cossack that takes over the train. The Rock. Oh, <laughs> be hilarious. No explanation. I mean, it makes as much sense as Telly Savalas, honestly. Yeah. He's like a Greek, you know, uh, New Yorker or something. Um, yeah. Huh. As a Russian. You could have Emma Stone as, uh, what's her name? The, with the Yellow Teeth. Yeah. The Yellow Teeth. <laughs> it's, it's a the different Countess era. had Yellow yeah. Teeth? I, d- I didn't notice it. Back in the, the day when everyone smoked, but she, I didn't know, notice either. Just like in Creep Show, I mean, uh, I can see why. Uh, what's his name? Would have a huge crush on her. She's very beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and she's a redhead. You know, you know how that is. <laughs> More fiery and passionate. Yeah. Who would be the inspector? Uh, hmm. Javier Bardem. Ooh. You know, I like that. I like he would also be good as the uh, the monk. Give him, give him the monk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, tell Oh, oh. He could, he, you know, uh, the uh, yeah. the priest guy. The, you know, give him something a little more uh, scenery chewing, maybe. Yeah. You know who else would be good for the monk is uh, Benicio del Toro. Oh. He'd be kind of yeah. cool as that yeah, character. He'd be, He'd be I could cool see as, him. Yeah, I think, as anything. I, think I could. See, I know you want Adrian Brody, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, there's a lot you can do with this movie. Yeah. See, we didn't even update it too. So just imagine it could be a totally different country it setting. A, it or, is a you largely know. Uh, Spanish cast too, because mm-hmm. it's a Spanish Russian movie. Is that what you said? No, it's Spanish English. Spanish like so, uh, British. Yeah. So Harvey Bardem and Benicio del Oh yeah. Toro. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 
right, Hollywood, let's get on it. <laughs> you heard it first from the Half-Ass Horror Cast. Horror Express is an IP you haven't uh, brutally poached yet. I do like going back to Creepshow how they didn't spoil it. Yeah. They gave you just enough to go, I'm, I want to check this movie out. And That's a great point. Yeah. And hopefully people did check it out yeah that's i mean that's it planted the seed for me definitely where i wanted to go and revisit it and i had totally different expectations because of it too so because we didn't know about it and we were already into cushing and lee so when Mm. that popped up we were like what (laughs) they did this for creep show that's amazing oh you said the ending yeah you 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 said you were yeah it's just an interesting ending so I didn't get this when I watched it, so I, I didn't see how this happened. But when I went back and looked it up, I guess the superiors of the Telly Savalas' character mm-hmm. messages, um, I don't know the words for anything, uh, I guess a train station or something. <laughs> yeah, the destination up, point. Yeah. Up ahead and says, basically, reroute this train so that it goes off this cliff. <laughs> Yeah, which is very convenient gives... that they had a train, like a segment that could just go to a cliff where it literally flies It's also all the way very off. dangerous to have a train track so close to just a cliff. That's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. But And yeah, they yeah they just have train tracks that just go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just in case we need it, we need to execute a shitload of people. Have this track go right off that cliff. Yeah. And these guys follow orders. I don't, I don't think the message is like there's a monster on board. Yeah. They, they just assume... He said it must be war, and they just yeah. <laughs> they, they, they 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 briefly speculate. I'm like, why are we having to do this? Oh well, fuck it, and they just like pull the lever. Yeah. They're like, this, and... that will kill everyone on the train. It's like, well, he said to do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some of these people are innocent. Ah, eh, whatever. <laughs> Got to break some eggs. And um, thankfully, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, the Countess, and everyone else, because there's a whole bunch of people on this train, have made it to the back area of the train so they can release the front part of the train where all the zombies still are Mm -hmm. and they go flying off the cliff and our people their train ends right at the edge of the cliff (laughs) it's very yeah Yeah. very very um (laughs) yeah but and then it ends but good ending it was crowd pleasing though i have to say like in the moment i didn't expect i didn't really question it that much i was kind of just enjoying it you can't question anything we've already suspended belief do you know what I mean? Right. Going into a movie like this. Yeah. If they find an ancient so. ape in Siberia and bring it aboard a train and it starts, it comes to life and starts taking over people, I guess you're not going to question a train going off track <laughs> a little bit. So. So one of the... Again, Christopher Lee and Cushing had this great relationship. So the first interesting bit of trivia says um, basically how Peter Cushing was so devastated by his wife's recent death that he would suffer from night panic. And I read somewhere else that he already had a fear of the dark, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting since he's a horror icon and he has a fear of the dark. And it said in order to make his nights easier so he would not be alone, Christopher Lee used to sleep in the same bed with him. I I just love their relationship. I think that's amazing. (laughs) Another thing is, again, going back to Cushing being devastated about his wife, it said that he told the producer that he could not do the, the picture because he, it was too soon after his wife's death. Christopher, Christopher Lee convinced Cushing to stay on by reminiscing with him about the previous movies they'd worked on together. Mm. And I just can't imagine, like, again, going back, as much as I love Karloff and Lugosi, if Lugosi 
didn't want to do the movie, I feel like Karloff would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, get someone else. <laughs> it's fine. And um, this has nothing to do with the movie, but it just goes back to Cushing and Lee. Tell them about the getting kicked out the theater. Oh, you told. Uh, well, oh, well, yeah. Craig found this story because they, they were apparently both um, really into Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> it was particularly Sylvester and Tweety Sylvester were their favorite Tweety. characters. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because in this movie, I feel like the ending of the train going off the track is kind of a oh. Sylvester and Tweety type. Yeah, that was No, not Looney Sylvester Tunes. and Tweety. I'm thinking of Roadrunner Road and Wiley Coyote. Yeah, but it's still anyway. very Looney Tunes. Yeah, Mel- yeah. But um, so they were in the movie theater watching Looney Tunes, I guess back in the day when they would play them before movies. <laughs> and they got kicked out because they were laughing so loud at the Looney yeah, Tunes. people I just complained. Think that's, they like, had to be escorted out. Do you not know who they were? <laughs> um, and apparently, you know, there's a really famous picture of Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing that was taken not long before Peter Cushing passed away in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, it's like a very sweet picture of them together and they're laughing and everything. And the reports were that one of the last things they did together as friends was watch Looney Tunes. And, and, you know, they were like super into it and everything. So (laughs) this is kind of a shared thing they had. You're never too old to be young at heart. I love them. Kudos. Well, let's rate this. What's everybody giving it? I'm giving it an A. I'll give it a B. I am also giving it an A. I thought it was, it's definitely something I would recommend to people and definitely something I'm going to watch again. So yeah, it's a good intro horror, I guess, if you're open to watching older movies, Mm -hmm. but you're kind of into horror, not sure. You don't want anything that's super gory. Right. I think it's this is a, a good well, one. You might add the caveat that it's good intro 70s horror, too. 70s because horror. It, it is a little rough around the edges if you're going in expecting it to be, you know, to modern standards yeah, yeah. and everything. It, it is very much so of its era of the early 70s, the editing and the music especially. Yeah. That's, but that's slowly becoming my favorite decade <laughs> Yeah, no, movies. same here. I'm starting to really appreciate that stuff. <laughs> Okay, so probably like a A minus yeah. type of situation. Good. Very so good. definitely check it out on Shutter or YouTube, and probably many other places. Horror Express. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just reviewed Horror, Horror Express. Express. It is time once again for. So we do have some half-assed horror trivia. This is related to Horror Express and its cast members. And who wants to go first? Well, Jeff should go first because he won the last time. Fair enough. Jeff, you're going first. Question number one. Who said, if I played Hamlet, they'd call it a horror film? Christopher Lee. Incorrect. Do you have a guess, Kia? Peter Cushing. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Just, okay. There are options to these, by oh. the way, if you guys want to ask. So, oh, okay. This is, a, this is a traditional trivia round. Uh, question two for Kia. Appears on the cover of Paul McCartney's 1973 album, Band on the Run. Uh, Christopher Lee? That's correct. Question three for Jeff. Oh. Appeared on the front cover of TV Guide five times. Mm. And these are all actors from the... Correct. And there are options if you want to hear them. Hit me me with the options. Okay. We have A, Peter Cushing, B, Telly Savalas, C, Christopher Lee, 
D. Julio Pena. <laughs> I'll say Telly Savalas. That is correct. Oh, that makes sense. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the the band that you said Christopher Lee was on? Uh, Paul McCartney's "It's Band on the Run" was the mm. album. Interesting. Let me look it up. Stay focused, Kia. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> this is your question. <laughs> yes. Was considered for the role of Jesus Christ <gasps> for the film King of Kings. Christopher Lee. Incorrect. Jeff, would you like to steal? Uh, I almost made a joke answer. Uh, let me say <laughs> options. Uh, we got Christopher Lee, B, Telly Savalas, C, Julio Pena, D, Peter Cushing. Julio say... Pena was the inspector, by the way. <laughs> okay, I'll say Julio Pena. Incorrect. Oh. It was Peter Cushing. This is really? this is back in the day when they were making <laughs> Jesus movies with blue-eyed English guys. So. <laughs> I was going to jokingly say Telly Savalas. <laughs> that would be amazing if he was. Who loves you, baby? <laughs> Jesus. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, they should have done that. Fantastic. That would have been amazing. It's, like, it's almost like Fred Flintstone <laughs> and Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after I lost track of who's... This is uh, Jeff's question. Uh, yeah. Cushing and Lee appeared in how many films together? Hmm. There are options. Yeah, I'm going to have to get the options. A, 24. B, 17. C, 12. D, 9. I'll say 17. That is incorrect. 24. Kia. That is correct. I knew it was a lot. Wow. They were like okay. the two Corys before the two Corys. <laughs> <laughs> totally. They were on the cover of Teen Beat together. <laughs> Uh, Kia, this is your question. Was considered for the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go for the taller of the two and say Chris Frilly. That is incorrect. Oh, man. Jeff, would you like to steal? Um, yes. Give me the options. A, Peter Cushing. B, Chris Frilly. C, Mr. Telly Savalas. Or D, Julio Pena. <laughs> so it's the same actors in every question. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and none of the answers are probably ever going to be Julio Pena. Oh, you guys don't know that for sure. <laughs> well, Peter Cushing is already in Star Wars. Uh, but maybe he was considered for the role before he was Grand Moff Tarkin. Is that your final answer, Jeff? I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Or it could be Telly Savalas because he's a big name back then. It's true. Veteran actor. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say Peter Cushing. You are correct. <laughs> your 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 re reasoning is correct. Uh, apparently, George Lucas considered him first for Obi Wan before deciding on Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh. And uh, coincidentally, uh, uh, Carrie Fisher talked about how it was really difficult to play against Peter Cushing because she was supposed to hate. Tarkin and be like you scoundrel and all this stuff but he was so sweet on set and he was wearing like slippers because yeah. the boots hurt his feet so she was just like he's like this wonderful grandpa type character I can't be mean to him you know there's a cute like clip of a blooper between the two of them oh really mm -hmm. hmm. I have to look that up later uh, this is Jeff's question was nickname props because of his habit of frequently fussing with one object or another 
in ways that made sense in the story to give depth to a character. He liked to fidget with things and scenes. Julio Pina. <laughs> You're correct. What? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Oh, no. I was about to say. <laughs> nope. Kia, do you like to steal? Um, Cushing. It is Peter Cushing. Uh, that's actually something that I, I learned from Dr. Gangreen because he talked oh. about that in one of his videos. He said if you pay attention to Cushing, he's in a majority of scenes, he's like packing a cigarette or playing with a watch. Or he's always doing some business. Maybe that's why he's so good because there's one movie, I think it's one of the Frankenstein ones. Mm -hmm. I think where he, whenever he plays a doctor in any movie and he has to examine someone, even in this one mm -hmm. where he's looking at the brain, he always does it so perfectly mm. and maybe that's why because he he was so like anal about how he did things and it's kind of like when you see actors in movies when they're driving in a car and it's uh, obvious yeah. that they're just like <laughs> way over exaggerating and stuff he's like Cushing is very meticulous about how he does those things because he's like yeah. oh people are watching me so he has like deliberate reasons why he's you know cutting something or yeah. what you know yeah oh. yeah so Kia this is your question how many times did Christopher Lee play the role of Dracula? There are options. Julio Pena. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have an option? Well, yes. if I have options, it goes down to one point. Though. It does, Kia, but you're well ahead, it looks like. Well, not well ahead. Well, he had a couple points. You can spare one. I don't know. This ball's out, then. Give me a number. Let's go. Let's go, Kia. Um, five? Answer me. Five incorrect. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, how many times did Christopher Lee play Dracula? Options. A, eight times. B, ten times. C, 13 times. D, 17 motherfucking times. 17 motherfucking times. <laughs> incorrect. Oh. Ten times even Dang. he played Dracula. Mm. Still quite a few. I was half right. Okay, this is a question for Kia. No. No, Jeff? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he just stole. He tried to steal. Jeff, which actor was at one time a neighbor of Boris Karloff? <gasps> what? Which Horror Express actor <laughs> broke bread with Mr. Karloff? He's going to say who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Telly Savalas. Incorrect. Oh. Uh. Man, good, good guess. It's really opinion. I'm gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> um, with a uh, Karloff, um, Chris Lee. That is correct. Yes! Uh, they became very friendly with him Amazing. as couples. Like his his he and his wife and Karloff's wife. Was Karloff you know? and Lee ever in a music movie together? Yes. Were Karloff, Lee, and Cushing ever in a movie? I together? don't know for sure off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Probably. But Karloff, Lee, and Vincent Price were in a movie together, mm -hmm. but they didn't have any scenes together. Well, they did. Anyway. Let's continue. <laughs> this is a question for Kia. Yeah. Which, this is the final question, by the way. Is it? Which Horror Express actor turned down the role of Dr. Loomis in Halloween? I know this one. Julio Pena. I know this one, too. Yes. And t it's a trick question. Is it now? Yeah. Perhaps you'd like to hear the options, or you could just blurt it, blurt it out. I'm going to say it. Cushing and Christopher Lee. It is correct. <laughs> they both turned down the part. Uh, Christopher Lee uh, regretted it in later years. He, he really uh -huh. wished he had played that part. But Cushing didn't regret. I think Cushing was fine with it. He's, you know. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. He was a nice guy. 
So Kia, what are the final stat standings? Jeff three, Kia eight. Oh. Much like the Atlanta Braves, I won! I won, baby! Yay! <laughs> Kia, Kia is wearing her uh, Atlanta Braves World, World Series Champions. sweatshirt. Yeah. It came yesterday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's coming up, Kia. It sure is. Champions all around. Congratulations, and thank you for listening to this half-ass horror trivia round. Thank you. We like to close every episode of the Half-Ass Horrorcast with what's making us scared, in which we talk about things in the horror genre that are making us excited, disgusted, <laughs> a myriad of emotions. Kia, kick us off. What you got? I'm excited about an upcoming book that's supposed to come out in July of next year, and it's a Grady Hendrix book, and I've mentioned Grady Hendrix a thousand times on this podcast. Yes, because you're an early adopter of a guy that's blown up recently. Love all of his books that I've read. My favorite being My Best Friend's Exorcism, which I'm hoping will eventually be made into a TV show or a series of some sort. But the book that's coming up is called How to Sell a Haunted House. Hmm. I don't think much is known about the book, but the title sounds amazing. Hmm. It sounds fun. I feel like he's he's kind of like Joe Hill, but more fun yeah <laughs> like joe hill is more serious he kind of takes after his uh, stephen king a little bit more and grady hendrix i think is kind of like the the more fun right and, and he's hitting author. a stride of a book a year it seems yeah. like he's, he's he's pretty prolific for a modern author because most people take it feels like three to five years to to come up with a novel nowadays um yeah. like if you're losing joe hill as an example for instance yeah. <laughs> um cool so what's it called again how to sell a haunted house Ooh. Very nice, very nice. Jeff, how about you? What's making you scared? Um, this past Tuesday, I went to Disneyland. And Terrifying. I got to ride, yes, I got to ride the uh, Haunted Mansion with the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay for the first time. That was really cool. But also, while I was there, it kind of got me thinking, like, there, there should be a, a theme park that's, like, a Halloween theme park mm -hmm. and you've got like you know Halloween characters and costumes walking around and like just like done up really nice and so I I, I started thinking like if, if there was a mascot for a, a Halloween theme park what would it look like so I drew this little pumpkin head guy and it's on my uh, Instagram at creatureville art if, I'm, show, uh, I'm showing Kia right now <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but, uh, it's super cute oh yeah yeah, yeah. But it got me thinking, like, like a, a long time ago, you and I were, were kind of brainstorming, and you kind of had this idea of, like, you should uh, come up with, like, characters that are, like, the, uh, what do you call it? Like, the citizens of Creatureville. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, this guy could be, like, the first character of that. So I've been trying to, like, I don't know, make up my own kind of Halloween-y characters. I don't know what I'm going to do with them <laughs> other than maybe just use them as, like, branding for my art stuff but i mean uh, you never know maybe someday you can have like a dedicated website for creatureville that has like a map and like all these characters in different areas of the map and you can click on it and it'll bring up new you know elements of yeah. whatever creatureville is you know whether it be a, a web shop or a video or whatever you know what i mean and yeah i mean it could be really cool interactive yeah you know good way idea to, too yeah. ah. nice you're the idea man. Now, <laughs> Let's do it. You're, you're being way, way too gracious. 
Um, so yeah, Creatureville on IG, and uh, I think I said that's, that's the only place you do Creatureville right now, right? You have YouTube sometimes. Yeah, correct? I haven't really or? updated the YouTube channel in a long time. It's uh, making videos of uh, like the process of doing artwork is a whole project to itself. Yeah. So it's kind of like doing two different projects at once, and it's it's a lot of work to mm. get it all done. But, but I am, I've been secretly working on a video that I haven't told anybody about. Ooh, <laughs> fancy. Well, but I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to like not finish it and then people be like, hey, what happened to that video you said you were going to make? <laughs> but I'm still working Very nice. on it. Very nice. But uh, you also have uh, Etsy too, right? So there's Creatureville Art on Etsy and Instagram if you want to check it out for yourselves as a listener. What's making me scared is uh, our fourth member he's only only he's actually only been on the podcast twice i think <laughs> for the black christmas special uh from a couple years ago and he accompanied us for the halloween three screening um mm-hmm. my good friend adam uh he moved almost next door to us he's in the subdivision right next to where he and i live we're separated by a strip uh mall that's that's the only thing that kind of <laughs> is in between us so um adam and i are going to take advantage of that and do a monthly podcast That'll be in the Half-Ass Horrorcast feed, and we're calling it Holler Kings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we kind of bounced around back and forth what we were going to do with it, and we've zeroed in on something very recently where we're going to talk about Southern horror films. That's going to be the angle now. Because uh, originally I just wanted to do just new stuff and just keep us in the feed because I thought it'd be nice to have Half-Ass Horrorcast showing up twice a month instead of just once every month. Mm-hmm. Um but we got to talking about it and we thought with a name like Holler Kings and Adam and I are both from Tennessee. And so we'll, we're going to kind of root for Southern horror a little bit. And uh, so it might be slightly more obscure than what we had planned on originally, but uh, hopefully it'll spotlight some things. And if you listen to the podcast, you might discover something new. Yeah. yeah. So look for it in the feed. It'll be showing up shortly after this episode drops, maybe a week or two later. Holler Kings. Look for it, y'all. <laughs> Holler at your boy. Oh, oh. that's a good tagline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kia. Yes. You have the next selection. Mm. I do. Oh, and I just learned something about the director of my next selection. This, he's, he directed my selection, but he also wrote 1989's Teen Witch. Oh! Which <laughs> is an amazing movie that I've wanted to pick for the podcast, but I feel like Jeff would leave if I did, so I don't know. <laughs> he would just Jeff flip would his table. <gasps> I feel like you would leave if I picked it. So. <laughs> no, I actually started watching that recently. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yeah. What did you you started? You didn't finish. No, I, well, I had a friend who was like, "We should watch Teen Witch," and then we oh up, my. we started watching it, and then like started doing something else. On oh my god! If you do watch it, please <laughs> let me know what you think of it, because I don't know if I'll ever pick it or not, but hmm. I might. But anyway. So my selection is also very obscure. It's from 1980, and it's called Fade to Black. It is available on Shudder? It is, it is on Shudder, yes. It's available on Shudder. Um, so very obscure, but Craig and I came across it gave, it, gave it a shot, liked it, and said we should do this for the podcast. So I'm picking it for the podcast. Yeah. Fade to Black on Shudder. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at 
Half-Assed Horrorcast. Facebook at Half-Assed Horror. Twitter at H.A. Horrorcast. And you can send us an email at halfassedhorrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, halfassedhorrorcast.com. Thank you.